0: Welcome to the number one South Asian radio station in North America, Ruckus Avenue Radio.
1: I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle. And as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, we welcome Puneet and Omar Mirza, the husband and wife team behind the Bangara Empire. Stay tuned. When I was in college, I really got into ultimate frisbee. And at the time, whenever I described it to a frisbee naive person, they were somewhat amused that a phenomenon existed where a disc is thrown between two people. Yet for me, it was far more than that. It framed much of my cultural college experience and my own sense of community. Speaking of community, thanks again for listening, subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with your friends and following us on social media at friend. So how exactly would you build a movement and a community around, say, a dance? So for ingredients, let's see, you'd likely need something that's easy to learn with some deep roots, catchy and fun music, colorful expressiveness, worldwide competition. Okay, so for this episode, let's enter the Bangarai universe and meet Bunit and Omar Mirza, who took their own college dance troupe Bhangra experience to the next level of community, movement, and phenomenon by creating Bhangra Empire. Their journey has taken them through winning competitions throughout North America, performing at White House state dinners and even Golden State Warrior games. But the mission of Bangara Empire in taking the traditional folk dance from the Punjab to the mainstream is simply inspiring, opening new dimensions of scale and integration, including classes, deeper generational exposure, and cultivating a worldwide community. I had a chance to share a conversation about Bangara with Bunita and Omar and dissect out the basics of their journey the balance of adhering to tradition versus general exposure, and even the notion of creating a Bangana Empire through world domination. Bangana Empire feels so majestic. I mean, almost like a dynasty of some sort. Is this kind of a general plan for world domination that's coming up? Or?
2: So that that's kind of where we were going. <laughs> <laughs> that's the ultimate plan. Yes. <laughs> right.
1: You're just not allowed to talk about it very much, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, and, and what's the
1: actual correct pronunciation of bangara? Is that about right or have you heard it sort of in different versions and and for that matter kind of you know because you have such a wide variety of different people who appreciate and use you, what you guys do does that matter how bangara is pronounced?
2: I've I've heard it pronounced many different ways. Um I say bangra, how do you say? It?
0: Yeah, bangara. Um so it's like instead of like a bh it's more of like a p. Yeah. if you want to be like more closer to how it's actually said but i mean to us it's not really that important we we try to be very inclusive to all of our students and people that follow us and things like that because and we kind of don't want to like say like oh you're you know pronouncing this wrong or this and that um so if you know if somebody asks we will tell them the correct way but um at the same time we want to you know encourage people from different backgrounds and stuff like that who might not know how to say bono perfectly but are interested in Pangra still, so
1: yeah, I mean almost to, you know to to break down as many barriers um, yeah. as possible and and do you have people who you know for the most part, when they experience the class or even just get introduced to folks that have you know really had no exposure to Pangra
0: whatsoever yeah, yeah, i mean we we have we have a handful of those students all the time come in, and they kind of just a lot of them you know they could be from non south Asian backgrounds, and they kind of just fall in love with the dance form and like, they will be our students for like years and you'll see them like, you know, posting their own videos on social media and stuff like that. So it's really cool to see that, you know, somebody who had no idea what this art form was kind of really embrace it and kind of just run with it
2: yeah and we have I have a handful of people in my mind right now who are taking our online classes mm-hmm. all over the world and who are like really embracing the culture and it's you know they're not South Asian like Omar said and it's just it's so cool because that's always been kind of our goal as Bangra Empire is to share Bhangra with the mainstream audience um, so not just South Indians or South Asians sorry not <laughs> all of you know Indian Asian descent but like anybody we want it to be appealing to anybody because it's such an appealing dance form.
1: You know, particularly when it becomes sort of like someone's very first exposure to any kind of South Asian culture. That must just be a cool feeling that's saying, hey, you're kind of the the person or the or the movement to to sort of you know help someone embrace that or even yeah. discover it for the first time.
2: Definitely. And that's, that's kind of been, like I said, our goal, but um, a lot of the performances that we aim to do, like the halftime performance at the Warriors game, for example, we know that a majority of those people have never seen or heard Bhangra before. So that's always our, like, you know, a major drawing factor for us to do an, a, do a performance like that because we want to expose them to this amazing art form.
1: So, so let's say you meet someone for the first time, They know absolutely nothing about Bhangra. First off, how fast does it come up in just general conversation? On top of that, how how do you describe Bhangra to, say, the person who's completely naive to what it is?
2: So our general description about Bhangra is that it's a folk dance from the Punjab region of India and Pakistan. Um, It was done, originated originated from the farmers in that region, Um, and they would uh, dance Bhangra to celebrate their harvest and any happy occasion. So that's really what Bhangra is in a nutshell. Um, and that's kind of what we explain it to, you know, everybody.
1: And I mean, is there, you know, when you even meet people who have nothing to do with Bhangra, does it for both of you kind of naturally just come up in every conversation?
2: Pretty much yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, pretty much our life right now. Yeah.
0: I think every conversation goes that way for us because like, again, we're doing, we're in the bay area and we both used to have pretty standard careers um you know with you know like i I worked in tech she worked in finance and i mean just kind of like if a lot of people who do that right and normal normal yeah (laughs) so when we switched over and started doing this full time i mean pretty much all of our friends anybody we talked to like the first thing that they would talk about is that and they would come up and kind of just dominate the conversation always (laughs) because you're just not used to seeing it um and it's something different um so yeah we talk about you know anybody anybody who asks any questions and stuff like that usually kind of leads to the whole empire route and yeah we kind of of talk about that a lot
1: (laughs) (laughs) and are people surprised that you know you can turn a passion for for dance not just into careers but actually into a movement
0: yeah i mean i think i think more than i think career is definitely and i i I haven't said i don't think we've done this yet i think we're working on it (laughs) so i don't think we're there um but um definitely everybody is kind of surprised because i here in north america really kind of got started with college teams like the collegiate scene so if you look in the early 2000s even late 90s um there were competitions that started popping up collegiate competitions. And that's kind of what has defined Bhangra for the last 15, 20 years here in North America. It's based on the competitive scene, which is mostly college students. And really what happens is people go to college, they see this dance form, they want to compete, this and that, they do it for a few years and then they move on with their life. And there really was no outlet for people that wanted to keep going further um, after college. So that was kind of what we were doing as our empire because we were an independent team. So we weren't affiliated with any college. We had members who were 18 years old and members who were like 30 years old, which was, you know, which wasn't seen before. It was mostly just college people. And then, you know, when we started offering classes and things like that, it kind of really gave us a path, I would say, to where we are today. It's definitely that people are definitely surprised about, that you're able to do it, but the
2: longevity of the team that we've been around. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And and of course, yeah. So we started in 2006, so it's been a long time, 15 years now. And I think because of that, because we've been very consistent with what we do um, every year and everything, people kind of know who we are. So that helps from like a brand perspective. When you think of Pongra, you usually think of Pongra empire and, or at least you've heard of us in some sort of way. So, I mean, all those things were kind of how, I think we kind of made this path for ourselves to do it because there was no path here. Like if you look at Canada, Canada has academies, um, Bangla mm-hmm. academies, cause they're just, there's a, you know, just a very thick pop, uh, Punjabi population in certain areas. So they've had academies, but in the U S there's really been nothing um, that has been that you could offer kids to go and do or something like that. If they're passionate about Bangla or something like that, we taught ourselves from like, You know, even pre-YouTube videos like VHS tapes and stuff like that. Right. So it was. So 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 now, I mean, you have so many resources and stuff like that where people can get involved. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a journey for sure. And not one that we, I think, planned out. It just kind of took us. It just happened. Yeah. Pretty organic.
2: Yeah, yeah but a lot of hard work and yeah i mean we're, we were working
0: we were working two jobs for, both of us were working two jobs for a very long time
2: yeah we're so. very <laughs> persistent and stubborn people yeah. that we want to keep it going yeah. so it's been a lot of that uh over the years
1: you're listening to trust me i know what i'm doing after a quick break we'll come back and rejoin our conversation stay
0: tuned
1: Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with Bunith and Omar Mirza, the founders of Bangara Empire. I know lots of folks who perhaps have learned different kinds of dance or dance styles uh, throughout South Asia and India, where they've had you know other kids their age other teens or college students their age and for that matter they've learned it from people in different generations right their parents or grandparents even you know for you guys and even now looking at this do you find that there is that kind of transcendent effect between generations that you're you're seeing that like hey you guys have been doing this for 15 years now Many of the people who maybe started out in college with doing Bangarai and have rediscovered it. Now they have kids or their parents are actually getting in on it. Have you have you seen that kind of effect compound as you've done this?
2: Oh yeah. We've had we've had students who started as students as you know, 10-year-olds, and then they end up becoming teachers for us, and then they become members of the team. And then there's like kids who take the classes with their parents. Are they like there's something that brings both of them together and that's that's the amazing part of doing something like this is having that effect on families and like having something that brings them all together and they can like enjoy together you know so like that that was our uh, intention for our academy which is a group of very highly motivated and hardworking kids who wanted to keep keep going, like keep learning um, further than what our classes were offering. So we formed these groups of kids where they, they're teams basically, and they get to learn together and form that bond that we thought was so valuable on Bunger Empire. So that that's like something that we really want to impart on the next generation and, you know, next generation, next generation, um, just that, that uh, ability to work as a team on something that you truly love. Like that's, that's just really something that we want them to, uh, have and participate in,
0: yeah, and our our focus has definitely changed to exactly what you're talking about, really, just I mean, we um Empire started off as a competitive team and we won a lot of competitions, and we did that, but we stopped competing a long time ago and really started focusing on our classes, our academy. So our goal really has been, yes, we perform here and there, but most of the time, that we put into Bhangra now is around classes it's around teaching our academy kids and really teaching the next generation and giving them an option to you know explore Bhangra as an art form if they are passionate about it at many different levels whether you're a beginner or whether you're like a dance prodigy who just you know is amazing at the age of eight like we're trying to give options for everybody and build those options in so that way like you know Bhangra is not going to be for everybody but I do think that if kids can go do karate, if kids can go do play soccer, if kids can do learn an instrument, like there should be an option for kids to learn Bhangra, right. Or to try it out and just at least be exposed to it. And some of those kids will be super passionate about it. And some of those kids will take the class once and say, okay, this isn't for me and move on to something else. But I think a lot of what we want to do is really just give that option. Um, We're lucky that we're in the Bay area because there's so many, you know, South Asian people, but then we also, you know, attract a lot of different backgrounds as well. So.
1: Well, and plus, I think the ability to do so um, online and, and yeah. find community with this allows someone who may not necessarily be in an area where there are
0: a lot of South Asians to actually yeah. do that. We, we, we see that a lot. Like we have a lot of people in Canada who like they're out in the middle of nowhere, like way up north and stuff like that. Um, and then just random, like we have, just you know, students from Brazil, South Africa europe right. spread around australia new zealand I was a
2: student in malaysia
0: malaysia yeah so really just different areas and the fact I that we have world, world domination right that's the that's the goal Slow process but it's <laughs> you know it's we're, we're, we're taking a couple inches in the right direction <laughs> yeah
1: you we kind of touched on this earlier but do you is, is it more valuable or is there a gradation of value for Bhangra as a dance to be sort of a proxy for Indian or South Asian culture to be maybe just part of the you know language and the cultural and the consciousness of, of people like you said like it's just as it's just as um, similar to taking a soccer you know going on a soccer team or or being part of a uh, a club that does you know an instrument or something or is it more important for that person who participates to kind of try and perfect it. Is it the, is sampling it enough? You know, is there some value to that as opposed to the person who's like, God, no, I I really want to like get into it and, and, and find a way to start perfecting it. Do you, do you see that there's, you know, either, you know, competition between the two? Um, Is there an ease to which someone can sort of like do that?
0: Yeah. um, So, I mean, I think that you're going to come across both people that are just super passionate about it and want to dance every day and people that, you know, are there to take the class one hour a week and that's it. They have other things going on in their life. So I think that for us, like we're, we want to offer the option of both because, you know, some people might not know they're going to be passionate about it until they're able to take that first class. Mm -hmm. Right. So you don't want to be like, Oh, I'm only going to offer like to the best dancers and stuff like that. So we want to keep it open to everybody. And I mean, a lot of times, like we've seen like, I mean, dance requires talent, yes, but it's also just mostly hard work. Like we have a lot of dancers who came into Punger Empire who were super talented and didn't put the work in and they didn't really progress. And then we have dancers who came into Punger Empire who barely could move their feet properly and they put the work in and it might've taken months or something like that. And they progressed into a way where they were, you know, some of our best dancers the team has ever seen. So I think that, you know, we do like, we want to be kind of like that gateway for people to come into and just get exposed to it as a whole. And uh, we teach that way. A lot of, a lot of people who take our classes ask like, why don't we teach in Punjabi and things like that? And we we're like, we're never going to teach in Punjabi. Like we're going to, we want to keep it accessible to everybody. Um, And, you know, and so, so we teach in English. We don't really get too bogged down in like terms of what move names are and things like that. That comes like later down, later on. We just want people to have fun, you know, get exposed to it. And then if they're, you know, if they have more interest and we'll give them options on how they can progress. So both are super important, I think, because we have a lot of kids who, you know, when we were working and we were putting these classes together, a lot of, a lot of the expansion that we did was not, it was kind of like forced because we just didn't have time to do yeah. it. So like a lot of these kids would take classes for us for five years and they would be the same classes because we were only offering two, two or three right. different types of classes and they would just keep coming back. Like, Oh, we want something else. We want something else. So when we did go full time, we were able to kind of go into that like more specialized nature where we we're going, you know, we have beginner classes, intermediate, now we have advanced um, and now we have the Academy, which is a whole separate level and takes a whole separate you know time commitment. Um, just as it would be being on a team. So um, I think it's super important for both. And I think that if you're a person that tries it out one time and, you know, moves on to something else, great, no problem. But if you're a person that does that and then it sparks a little bit of passion and like, I want to learn more about it, then we give you, we have the options for you to kind of progress further.
1: Let me ask you both this. I mean, did, did you guys both yourselves start out as, experts, because kind of the way you're narrating this, it's almost as if the people who are learning with you are also learning as you learn as well.
0: I think, uh, we, I mean, yeah, we were born experts. Both of us would be <laughs> <same>. <laughs> You know saying. <laughs> <what
1: you're working laughs> <right? Yeah. laughs> yeah.
0: No, so actual pangra, like I was, I kind of told you earlier, like myself was college. I was first exposed to it in college. Yeah. So I had never done any sort of dancing before that in any sort of way. And we got there, there were culture shows that were thrown. And then there was a pangra team that was, would go and compete. And those were the only competitions, um, Back then, bunga competitions. There were no other dance competitions, at least from the South Asian side. Um, so that's kind of how I got exposed. And literally, like, there was no YouTube at that time. There was no, there was no resources. Like, so like a couple of members on the team had like these like video t- like VHS tapes from competitions from like two years ago that you could barely see anything. It's like you know got like those lines and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and we watched these videos, and then we kind of like self taught ourselves from there. Sure, um, and um and i think but he, you're kind of the same way we're
2: yeah i was, learned from just my peers in college exactly
0: so. Uh, so that's where a lot of people get exposed but now it's a completely different story now if you want to become an amazing bonga dancer you have all the resources in the world yeah. you have online classes you have in-person classes you can just learn from youtube yourself if you're super self-motivated like it's very it's very easy to really get those resources that we didn't have when we were back when, when we were there when we were kind of doing yes. it
1: you're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Buneet and Omar Mirza. Hey, You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with the founders of Bhangra Empire, Buneet and Omer Mirza. You know, I, I'm always curious about this one. I've asked this to others, but you know, so many arts that are, are in our culture bring sort of this wealth of tradition and history. How do you innovate and create new styles and you know that, that compel new people to be enthusiastic about it without kind of sacrificing the the purity or the tradition? know of the dance and and i'm i'm imagining that even when you were first starting out that you probably got a fair amount of purists who would in some ways kind of uh give their opinion on on what you guys are doing
0: okay so is a traditional dance form yeah if you want to see it in its purest form which started in the 40s or 50s you're gonna go see all guy live teams so no music Yes. No Punjabi no songs,
2: us already. no bhangra songs,
0: no girls, right? <laughs> live dole, live singing. That's the purest form of bhangra that you see now traditionally wise. That came around in the 40s and 50s when before that, yes, the story of the farmers and the harvest is there. But that wasn't really the dance form that you see today. Hmm. Back then you had different dances Un, from different areas. And they kind of in the forties and fifties all came together under this name of Bhangra at that time. So what you see as traditional, isn't like 1940, 1950, somewhere around there. Sure. Um, but that's the most traditional way you can do Bhangra. And I think that's, there's no debate about that right now. We are like the complete opposite. <laughs> I, like, I don't think we look at it as sacrificing the art form. Right. Like I think when we started coming forward, coming coming out, everybody was trying to be super traditional and it just got repetitive because like there's only certain things that you can do and it got repetitive and every team started to look the same. So when we came in, we're like, all right, we don't care about winning. We don't care about placing. We don't care about these judges. Let's just put on like an entertaining performance and let's entertain the audience. So that's kind of where our identity came where we like to like, I wouldn't say fuse. We still do straight bangra, but we yeah. add entertaining elements to it. While yeah. a traditional team would not do that. They wouldn't add stunts. They wouldn't add, um, you know, these entertaining factors because they have to really adhere to these strict guidelines. We're kind of a little bit more open on how, how we do that and just try to really be creative as creative as possible, and that sometimes that means bringing elements outside of Bangra into Bangra. Yeah, so sure. we
2: pull a lot of like pop yeah. pop culture type. Because you things
0: want things. to connect with your audience, and if your audience is you know brought up here, then let's do some stuff like let's let's do some non-Bangra songs and do some yeah. Bangra to it. Let's you know whatever is like kind of like the trend. Let's try to bring that in and put a Bangra twist to it. Yeah. So we're very. I guess, like if you would look at all the teams out there, we're definitely on the more modern and contemporary side. Sure. But at the same time, like I think it's very like we are a bolder team because we do, you know, kind of stick to. moves. Like you're not going to see like hip hop moves. You're not going to see fusion moves in our routines. You're going to see Bungana moves, but then we just add our own little variations to them here and there. And so
1: then do you get this subset of folks who, as they either go through classes and and academies and as they're really, really getting more technically sound, is there like a real sort of like want and even desire to revert back to the more traditional techniques while you're innovating and adding in some, some stuff there?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think the, like the base is always those traditional techniques, right? It's always going to be there. Um, how close you are to it kind of depends on your, um, on your form. We definitely go into more traditional aspects as we get farther. So like beginner is not like, we're not really going into any of those aspects, but like by the time you're advanced, you're learning the different types of moves and stuff like that. Now, how you put it together is really up to you creatively, you know, like yeah. what, you, what? what do you want to perform on stage? If you want, you know, eight guys to perform to a live dole performance, then you're going to go and stray towards those things and learn those things more. Sure. If you want to have a team that entertains, like if we're going to the Warriors game, like doing that at the Warriors game would not be, you know, you wouldn't connect with your audience that much. So you want to add different elements in. So it really depends on kind of what your goal is. And we've had a lot of people who come in, they take classes from empire. And then they go super traditional after they start learning stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, we were the way that they got interested in it because we had the entertainment, we had the wow factors and yeah. we put that together with Bhangra and then they started learning more and more. And they're like, Oh, we, you know, we, we love how you know the live set goes and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's kind of a progression for everybody and everybody's different, but there are like cycles in Bhangra too, where it's just what the trends are like. You know, it could be you could be in a super traditional cycle where everybody's trying to be the most traditional. We, we become so used to
1: Zoom and online, you know, yeah. communication. And you guys have certainly become experts at this in the last 18, 19 months. But what did this last 18, 19 months of sort of pandemic culture teach you both about using Bhangra as a, a vehicle for developing community and, and relationships?
2: Oh, I think it's uh, just from the feedback from our students. It's, it's been amazing because we're able to reach them through our classes and also through videos. And people have told us that it's helped them get through this like the the past 18, 19 months, like you're saying, um, to, to like, just as an escape, I guess it can be an escape. It could be, you know, just something that, um, entertains you for a, a few minutes to kind of bring you a little bit of happiness for that moment. Um, but it's, it's been cool because uh, people can take our classes and experience that joy and that little escape and uh, appreciate this art form. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been a different way to reach people and we, yeah. we never had done it before because we just didn't have the time. <laughs> and yeah. then at that moment, we were like, we have to do this. So that's that's kind of what got us into the online classes. And now that we've been doing it, we're like, we can't stop. It's just amazing to be able to reach Everybody all over the world, whoever is able to take our classes and to have that experience and connect with people who we're connecting over a shared love, right? Of bhangra and creating yeah. that community, regardless of where you are, and that's always been, like I said, that's always been our goal as Bhangra Empire is just to connect with bhangra. Um, to anybody,
0: <laughs> I mean, pre-COVID, um, I think a lot of what we did was community building. Yeah, because if we had, or like, we would have, we had about five, six hundred students just within the Bay Area, yeah. and kids, adults, all ages, and we do shows a few times a year where all these kids, their parents, their families, like some people would buy like 12 tickets to the show and bring their aunts and uncles and stuff like that. So really like we were promoting a family environment, all the kids coming together, parents coming together. A lot of them would perform together, um, in different, you know, in different, different classes and stuff like that. And I feel like, um, like that was a huge part of what we did and we've kind of missed that. Oh, we really missed in, that. in this past year and a half. Yeah. But I, so, so like, a lot of like, we would have like WhatsApp groups from classes that took classes with us in 2014. And there's like going out, you know, that group is going out to have lunch and dinner like now, you know, like, so so there's a lot of people that would take our classes, like younger individuals who were like maybe working, you know, just moved here, that type of thing where they have a shared common interest and they become friends and you know, they're, they're hanging out all the time outside of class and stuff like that. And um, that was like what we loved to see, that was like just bringing those people together. You know, somebody just moved from New York and they didn't know anybody. So they took up our empire class and they got to know a lot of people and made some friends. But I think virtually this past year and a half, it's been different. We're, we're not able to make that same type of connection because it's a little bit harder. But at the same time, like we've still seen it happen, like organically, really, where like we've made connections with people, obviously, because we're the teachers. But then also like just random people who. They're just chatting with each other. They're people. just chatting <laughs> with each other and then they start like they start like you know following each other on Instagram and then commenting on everything and this and that and they become friends and like, oh this is my buddy from like from France and this is my buddy. So it's 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 really cool to see that even in a smaller scale, we're able to still kind of do that.
1: Well, using Bangara as the currency for human connections, and of course, the vehicle for world domination. Yes, yes. <laughs> sounds totally. like that's what sounds like that's what it's all about. Bonita and Omar, thank you guys so much for for joining
0: us, and we wish you all the best. Thank you very much you. for having us. We really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, guys, and you can learn more at bhangra.classes.com and bhangraempire.com. Shout it out loud as college campuses and their bhangra teams get it going again everywhere, and hopefully, Bruin Bangada 23 is alive and in person. Till next time, I'm Abhay Dandekar.
0: Hey yo, this is Kanika, and you're listening to Ruckus Avenue Radio, the world's largest South Asian radio station.